Welcome to Watershed's May podcast. My name is Mark Cosgrove and I'm the head of programme here at Watershed. I became aware of Chris Morris's Four Lines when it premiered at the Sundance Film Festival in January this year. Morris is an expert satirist as seen by his brilliant television work, The Day to Day and Brass Eye. Morris's front man was like a deranged Jeremy Paxman, revealing the absurdities of contemporary media's relationship with real life, puncturing the pomposity of the media's searching exposés and its sometimes banal and simplistic approach to issues. So I was not surprised to discover Four Lines was a comedy about terrorism. However, I approached with caution, as translating successful television style to cinema does not necessarily work. See Rising Damp, Porridge, even more common wise, as cases for the prosecution. Although In the Loop does make a considerable contemporary case for the defence. With Chris Morris, it is most definitely the latter. The film is indeed hilarious, with a biting satirical edge that is deeply uncomfortable as it is thought-provoking. I have described it as an ealing comedy about terrorism. My reason for the ealing reference is that if you delve deeper into the cosy ealing facade, they make pointed attacks on, for example, corporate institutions, or at their most devilish and dark, the aristocracy. See kind hearts and coronets. They are, in effect, quite subversive. The effect of four lines, which follows four incompetent aspiring jihadists from Yorkshire, is in a way to, I hesitate to say humanised terrorism, because that both sounds and is banal, but in a way to bring to human scale the issue of terrorism and the way it is played out in the media. It is near the knuckle. You weep as you laugh. I wept for Jean-Charles de Menez. You laugh at the plain, bumbling, ordinary incompetence of people. A few weeks after seeing the film, I saw in the news that two guys from Blackburn had been freed on suspicion of plotting terrorist acts. The media showed pictures of the two dressed in quasi-paramilitary clothes, elbowing through autumn leaves, with a sonorous voiceover. It could have been a scene straight out of four lines. The film will cause consternation, I can hear people saying that some subject matter is out of bounds. But as you're laughing, so the film makes you think, and that is at the core of Morris's genius. Four Lines opens on the 7th of May. Werner Herzog may just get the prize for the most idiosyncratic director alive. From his early career-defining films, he was, along with Wim Wenders and Fassbinder, a leading exponent of new German cinema. Herzog and his mad dangerous lead man Klaus Kinski created monumental, extreme, sometimes crazed but always electric cinema such as Aguirre, Wrath of God and Wojciech. For a few years he disappeared to resurface reinvented as a documentary filmmaker with a few odd cameos in Friends films along the way. When I read in the trade bible variety that he was remaking Abel Ferrara's Bad Lieutenant I thought I'd hit upon an early April Fool when I read Nicolas Cage was cast, I mean, come on, please. I caught up with it a few weeks ago and improbably Herzog pulls it off. In fact, he may well have found in Nicolas Cage, the determined alcoholic cage of leaving Las Vegas, the flickering spirit of Kinski. Yes, it could do with a few minutes trimmed off to move breezily along, but it hangs together with a suitably deranged performance from Cage and some serious Herzog virtuoso direction. 
Bad Lieutenant opens at Watershed on the 21st of May. Throughout the month, there are a host of Festival of Ideas events. As part of the festival, we have contributed a season of films entitled Politics, Paranoia and Punk to tie in with the publication of Francis Wayne's book Paranoia in the 1970s. When you think about that decade in cinema, it produced some of the most exciting, intelligent Hollywood films. Films like All the President's Men, The Conversation, Three Days of the Condor, which addressed the immediate political reality of life in America, one of corruption in political and corporate life, and one of intense paranoia. I thought, what a great season to tie in with the festival. Little did I know, though, that very few of the films around that time would be available to screen in the cinemas. This is not, though, a conspiracy, as though the spirit of Richard Nixon is preventing access to the political shenanigans of the past. It is a simple issue of film rights expiring and no one really giving a damn about film's history and heritage. The films we managed to get are still exemplary and perfectly illustrate the era, from Alan J. Pakula's defining parallax view, which features a quite brilliant performance from Warren Beatty. Not an actor I used to rate until I re-watched this film. Polanski's Chinatown, which although not set in a decade, depicts the seeds of corruption which would inform it. Coma, which moved political paranoia into a more corporate world and became an entertainment genre in itself. And the China Syndrome, which, made at the end of the 70s, brought the nuclear threat into the plot. So why punk? Well, what exactly was happening in the UK whilst political corruption and paranoia gripped America? We were having power cuts, three-day weeks, strikes, a Labour government in terminal disarray. The result was Margaret Thatcher and the Sex Pistols. Sounds like a band, actually, Margaret Thatcher and the Sex Pistols. <laughs> anyway, both of which changed the cultural landscape forever. Julian Temple was there with his camera to capture the tumultuous era in all its splendid, anarchic glory. His documentary The Filth and the Fury is a brilliant reminder of that era and is now also a testament to the legendary, recently deceased provocateur, Malcolm McLaren. The films screen on Sundays throughout the month. That's all for me. Thanks. <laughs>